Y'all, we appreciate Samuel Merritt University so much for continuing to help keep this podcast going. They want us to tell you about their new Advance Your Practice Scholarship. They're offering a $10,000 scholarship to anyone who enrolls in their MSN, DNP, or Family Nurse Practitioner programs. Samuel Merritt University has been educating nurses for over 100 years. If you're interested in getting more information about the programs, you can visit them at fnp.samuelmerritt.edu and show them how much you appreciate them for sponsoring our podcast. That's fnp.samuelmerritt.edu. And as always, we'll put that link on our website at goodnursebadnurse.com. I also wanted to remind you that if you're interested in travel nursing, to go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile so you can see what kind of jobs are out there. And you can also see what they pay, the stipend, the hourly rate, all of that. I'm a travel nurse now with Trusted Health, and I absolutely love working for them. So go to trustedhealth.com, be sure and put forward slash good nurse so that they'll know that we sent you there and fill out a profile today. This is Tina again with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. Welcome back to another week of true crime and nursing and all that sort of thing. Us just sitting here chatting about different stories. We've got a really good show planned for you today. I have a very special guest with me, an old friend of the podcast, Mike with Simple Nursing is back. Hey, Mike. Hey, how's it going, Tina? It's good. It's good. Really glad to have you back on the show. It's been a while. Always good to have you on. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been a long time. I'm glad that we are back. And we just did PodCon or yeah, well, you did PodCon. I was just the video guy on it. <laughs> <laughs> I know the nurses PodCon. We had another one coming up. You guys don't uh, forget about that. It's coming up in September. We have not landed on a specific date yet. But spoiler alert, I think that Austin, Texas is the city that's winning out in surveys that we've done. So that's not a finalized number because I think all the different podcasters are kind of asking all their people, but I'm pretty sure it's Austin, Texas is going to be doing it. Also wanted to uh, thank Stoggles for sending me a stylish goggles, which is why they call them Stoggles, but these are so cool. And, and just in case I end up putting this on um, the video, I'm going to go ahead and put them on. These are the cutest things like they look, they're, they're prescription. I wear prescription glasses, and so I can't wear their regular stoggles. And that these are really prescription glasses, and they have the little side protection on them. So if you have to wear goggles at work, like I do when I go into a patient's room, I just keep these on all the time. And they just really look like regular glasses. So I love them. They sent these to me for free. They, I, I thought that was so sweet. And so, of course, I'm going to give them a shout out and thank them so much. They are the coolest glasses, but you, of course, you can have just regular safety goggles that aren't prescription. And they sent me a pair of those for the Nurses PodCon. I can't use them. And so I'm offering them to someone else. And we just closed out those surveys, as I just said. I will announce the winner of that on the next show once we get a final because we were going to draw from all of the people who responded to the survey. So I'll let you know and get that shipped out to you. Nice. I, I can donate my stoggles. Like those actually look really stylish, by the way. I was Aren't like, they cute? what? Those are stoggles? Yeah. Yes. Oh, if you want to donate yours, I could, I could do a second person. That would, they probably would appreciate yeah. that. I'm sure. Cause uh, they're really I, nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm out of the clinical setting. I just teach now. So actually I, I want to keep them and just like rock them when I go grocery shopping or something. <laughs> they yeah, look really cool. cute. Like, I mean, I don't, <laughs> they, do. I, they really do. They just look like regular glasses. I mean, they don't look like they're like the 
typical sta- safety goggles. Like, I mean, yeah, if you've yeah. got to wear safety goggles, you might as well re- wear these. They're great. They're <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Let me sleep on it. I'll think about it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm not going to hold you to it. Okay, okay, okay. Well, I guess we can get started with this. Yeah. What do we got cooking today? Well, we have a couple of pretty interesting stories, a little controversial. We, we get controversial every now and then on Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. I'll probably get a few emails about this. That's okay. You guys, you know, I've, I've kind of thickened up my skin a little bit over the years, and that doesn't bother me near as much as it used to. But yeah, we're going to dip into just a little bit of controversy. I just like to talk about stuff. I like to get things out there, even if I don't necessarily land on one side or the other. I just like to put these stories out. And so we are, the story we are going to be talking about today, well, for one thing, there is a little bit of a trigger warning. We are going to discuss suicide. And I always like to say that up front anytime we discuss anything like that. So just to let you know, but this is actually, we're going to be discussing physician assisted, physician assisted suicide or medical aid in dying as I think the most recent appropriate, you know, how that goes. There was change everything, the way you're supposed to refer to stuff. Medical aid in dying, MAID is the correct term for it. That's what we're going to be discussing today. So our bad doctor story, I just want to kind of say, I'm not saying it was a bad doctor. And I don't know, because this doesn't really have anything to do with what kind of a doctor he was. But he, you can't exactly put him in the good doctor section, just, and you'll find out why whenever we get into the story, when you find out what he did. So having said all of that, to get ready for this story. <laughs> that being this said. is the story of I know, having said all of that, just to put in preparation, just to get you guys ready. Are you ready? <laughs> Hold on. Put your seatbelt on. So this is the story of Robert Dwight Degnan. Dr. Degnan was a OBGYN. He was born in Los Angeles, California, raised in Pasadena. And he studied horticulture at first at the University of California before he realized that he was more interested in the medical sciences. So... Then he pursued a medical degree and spent a year after medical school working at the hospital in Rochester, New York. Then he was uh, drafted into the Air Force in 1959 and served as a flight surgeon. That sounds so cool. I love flight nurses, by the way. I've had a flight nurse on here before. I just think they're the coolest. They're like my heroes. I just (laughs) (laughs) Like Top Gun. I love it. I'm so So, jelly. Yeah. (laughs) That's so cool. So he was a flight surgeon and came back to the United States a couple of years later, started his medical residency in New York City. Then he met Marjorie Oberheim. They were married in 1962. They had eight children. Eight. Eight? Yeah, that's a baby boomers right there, I guess. So many children. Hey, that's awesome. I think that's great. In the late 1980s, Dr. Degnan accepted an OBGYN position in Idaho relocated with his wife and their youngest children. So for nearly three decades, he practiced as an OBGYN for Bear Lake Memorial Hospital in Montpelier. And it's estimated that he delivered approximately 10,000 babies throughout the country. Oh my goodness. 10,000? Okay, so if you break that down, that's crazy. So many babies. Sometimes I regret that I didn't go into labor and delivery, but I knew I wouldn't be able to because of the the sad things that happen, I can't handle it. I just can't. Like, I love the idea of births and like seeing babies and moms and uh, like this happy time, but there's some bad stuff that happens there. And I just, I would fall apart. I can't do it. I, my hat's off to those awesome labor and delivery nurses who are so strong. They're able to go in there and be an, be just awesome, amazing nurses 
to these moms that are having babies. Love you guys. That was the only rotation where I'm like, oh no, I just don't want to see a live birth. I don't want to be scarred. And yeah, I'm ER by nature. And I'm like, you know what? I actually have seen a few uh, crownings come into the ER. Like people wheelchair. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay, wait, hold on. I have some stats for you. 30 years, 10,000 babies. That is 333.33333 babies. So that's basically almost one baby every day for 30 years. Almost. That's amazing. I and mean, it really is. That's a, a real accomplishment. Crazy. Now, this is a good start fast. Okay. Around 7 a.m. on September the 6th in 2020. It's pretty recent. Dr. Degnan, he was 88 years old when this happened. He called 911 to Bear Lake County Sheriff's Office, and he told the dispatcher that there had been a botched suicide attempt. He confessed that he and his wife, Marjorie, she was 79 at the time, had arranged for basically for them to commit suicide together. And the plan was for him to use the firearm himself on Marjorie and himself because he said Marjorie didn't have experience with firearms. And so he fatally shot his wife, but then lost control of the firearm before he could turn the firearm on himself. On himself. Oh, no. Being a doctor, you think that he would have known about like, you know, benzos or like overdosing on a beta blocker or something like that. But a firearm, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, he told law enforcement that he had a wasting disease that caused him to lose weight and muscle. Mm. Oh, I don't know. He reportedly told law enforcement that, that he just didn't want to live anymore. And so a few weeks before the shooting, he apparently lost most of his eyesight because he was ha having some sort of a convulsion. As a medical professional, you know, we we get these stories when we're doing the research a lot of times on um sites that are written by people who aren't necessarily medical. And so I always wonder, like, what, they, what really happened here when they, you know, what was really going on? Sometimes it doesn't add up. And sometimes it may just be, I don't even know what I'm talking about. So, but I don't know. I don't know what happened, but apparently he had some sort of a seizure and lost his eyesight. His vision was restricted to a small area from his left eye. Oh, man. So that makes sense. And, and this is post-COVID where most, you know, mental health oh, things happen, yes. right? That is a great point. This is not even a year past COVID. Like this is probably like six months, eight months, whatever. I'm not good at math. It's well into it. It's well into yeah. it. Yeah. We're like halfway in COVID. And then he loses eyesight. The world is crap. Mm, and he's bad. like, if you know, COVID doesn't take me out, you know, then, you know. So I, I can see that. I, I, I can see where his perspective and, you know, life wow. situations going. Yeah, that's a yeah. really good point. So I have to tell you guys about an experience I had with a nursing student. So you know I've been doing travel nursing. Well, this hospital where I'm at has a lot of LPN students doing their clinicals there. So one of them was following me around one day and she noticed my stethoscope. And of course, y'all know the Echo Technology Company that sponsors our podcast. They teamed up with Littman to make the stethoscopes, to beat all stethoscopes, the 3M Littman Core Digital Stethoscope. And this is the one that I use now. So she said, oh my gosh, I've been wanting to try one of those. So of course I let her use it. And she just could not stop talking about it for the rest of the shift. It was so cute. She was like, you know, I can't hear anything with my normal stethoscope because I have tinnitus. And so she was so excited because she could actually hear what heart sounds were supposed to sound like. She said, I'm going to ask for one of these for graduation. And I was like, yeah, you definitely should. So just so you know, 
the echo technology that makes the stethoscope so amazing. Uh, you can enable it with a flip of a switch. You can turn it on and off. It has active noise cancellation up to 40 times amplification, wireless auscultation using Bluetooth technology. It connects with Echo's free app and software so that you can visualize, record, share, live stream, analyze heart sounds, lung sounds, and whatever body sounds you want to listen to. So you can go to echohealth.com and use the promo code GNBN to get 10% off your order. And that's Echo is spelled E-K-O, by the way. So it's echohealth.com and use the GNBN promo code to get 10% off your order. Welcome, Leah. I just wanted to chat with you a little bit about your experience with CBD Stat. Which product do you actually use? So there's four products, the roll-on, the cream, the salve, and the oil. The two that I use every day are the cream and the oil. What is your biggest benefit? How does it help you? The cream I put on every day after work. I'll shower and then I'll put it on my feet just to help my arches. No more shin splints, just my feet feel more comfortable. And the cream has been a lifesaver there. And then I use the oil to help me sleep. So I just switched jobs. I had been working nights for the last eight years. So the oil was huge on helping me come home and actually get quality of sleep throughout the day. And I wake up feeling well-rested and not groggy like some other medications have made me feel in the past. I didn't realize that about the feet. And I have plantar fasciitis. So now I literally cannot wait to get off here and go try that. And then just the sleep benefit, that one is definitely well known. I hear that a lot in the feedback that I've gotten. As you guys know, their products are 100% THC free. CBD Stat has a team of engineers that invented a very unique and efficient process to produce CBD isolate, which is the purest form of CBD. They only offer very strong products greater than a thousand milligrams. If you guys are interested in CBD stat in their product, you can go to cbdstat.care forward slash good nurse, bad nurse. Be sure and put the forward slash good nurse, bad nurse in there so they know that we sent you there. cbdstat.care. Be sure and put .care instead of .com forward slash good nurse, bad nurse. He was initially charged with first-degree murder, but the charges were then amended to felony manslaughter as part of a plea agreement. So he was sentenced to 5 to 15-year suspended prison sentence with 15 years of probation. Yeah, he had to wear an ankle monitor, and he was living in an assisted living facility that specialized in care for individuals with mental illness while he was waiting sentencing. But... He was later incarcerated for violating his pre-sentence release conditions, according to court records. So I don't know. He was serving out his sentence when he passed away on October the 24th in 2021. He was 89 years old and the cause of his death wasn't released, but it was noted that foul play wasn't suspected. There were no self-inflicted wounds and it didn't look like it looked like it was natural. Which is crazy, right? Because it would have been he's 88. So even 10 years from that is 98. So imagine Mm -hmm. he got sentenced to five to 15 years. That's crazy. Right. Well, this is a really difficult one for me because I've done these stories before we got on, before we started recording, you and I were talking about Dr. Kevorkian. Of course, this brings up the the topic of the medical aid in dying and and assisted suicide and that, whatever you want to call it. But, Mm -hmm. and we were talking about how Dr. Kevorkian kind of started all of this and got into the press, what, 20 or 30 years ago. I don't know. And I think we've made, I think there's been a lot of progress made over the years about that, about, you know, palliative care, hospice care, comfort measures for end of life. But other states have adopted some right to die, you know, legislation or medical aid and dying legislation. But 
I, I, I don't necessarily want to be a proponent, you know, one way or another, but I think that it's really a good, healthy thing to discuss because as nurses, we see a lot of suffering. We see a lot of what, what we call bad deaths. Oh man. How many times, like, right. Have you been on the ICU or in, for me in the ER, even med surge, right. For, with these long-term conditions where it's like, this patient is never going to get better. And we're literally just keeping them alive on a day to day. And it's like, it's so sad, right? Like what kind of quality of life is that? They're not going to miraculously go skiing in a few months, you know, or get up and, and walk and all this stuff. And there's so much like ethics that you can go into it with. I was recently doing like a lot of research on stem cells and how you can infuse, you know, these little baby cells into your body, which are, it's not from embryonic. It's from like donated umbilical cords and you can actually rejuvenate the body. And probably this guy could have got his eyesight back uh, and reversed some of the aging, which is crazy. But in the same way though, the mental health aspect, because let's just say your body is totally healthy and people are just super depressed or they have some type of like, you know, especially post COVID just super grim outlook on life. Would they be entitled to end their life if they have a free will just to like, you know, and medical suicide. I know. And that's a really, I mean, boy, you really wade into some difficult waters there because there are people who say, if I want to end my life, I should be able to do that no matter what. You know, we all have a terminal illness. We are all terminal. Yeah, we're all. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because not everyone's um, life journey is the same, right? It's like, you know, everyone's battling their own you know, demons for whatever. And you can have such a good day, but then on the other side, someone can just either be born into, you know, a, a broken home or have some type of debilitating thing or have something that they're carrying around their whole life. And it's really hard to say, right? It's like, at least right now, it's against the law, right? To commit suicide. You have to go into 72 hour hold. I guess it depends on the state. I don't think there's a state that, because even the states that have medical assisted, you have to have a terminal illness. You have to have been diagnosed with an illness that says that you, your life expectancy is like, mm. I think it's less than six months. You can't just say, you can't just walk into a doctor's office and say, I've decided I, I, I don't want to live anymore. I'd like to go through the process of medical assisted, you know. Yeah. Uh, death and that does it doesn't work that way you have to have something wrong with you where they're like this is imminent it's going to happen within six months and then you have control over it speaking of what's it called everyone has this terminal illness you know right we're all going to get old and die look at this guy right he's 89 well he was 88 at the time his wife was relatively young i would say 79 which is not too far off his age think about it right all their kids probably moved away they grew up they're losing parts and functions of their body. COVID just happened, which makes them even more lonely. And how many older people are just seeing their body like waste away? And he has this condition, right, of muscle wasting and losing weight. So he knows he's going to die. So instead of like, you know, letting life take him out, he's just like, you know what? I want to be in control of it. And, you know, I can do it. It's really interesting to see like, where is the line? Which it's like, you're probably going to die anyways in five years, you know, if you're mid 80s. Most people don't live past, I guess, 90s, right? So it's really hazy right there. A lot of people would say, even if you believed that he had the right to choose when he died, um, he didn't have the right to choose when she died. And by um, him taking her life, even if she wanted him to, 
you know, I think a lot of people would say that's just not, that's really not acceptable. You know, it's kind of hard to excuse that um, because you can't allow that. You can't have that. That's not, it's not appropriate to take care of things, you know, in that way. Okay. Think about it though. Let's just say they did it together. They wanted to do it as a couple, right? Right. I don't want to, this is going to sound super weird, but this it's kind of romantic, right? Like you want to, you start life together. You want to end life together. You know, you're on the same journey till death do you part. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like them doing, going away and going out together, which maybe that's how she thought it was. Cause it doesn't say anywhere in here that she had, you know, this debilitating disease or this muscle wasting like he did. Maybe he convinced her or maybe they decided to get Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I think I can't really condone like that sort of thing. I think that if you, if this is something that you are a proponent of, if something that you believe should be allowed, that people should have the right to choose when they die, then you have to do that, do it the right way. You have to go through the courts. You have to try to get legislation changed. You have to do what you can to try to change the system, educate people um, on why you think it's the right thing to allow people, you know, that it's, Mm -hmm. you can talk about the suffering that you've seen. You can talk about people with ALS and how, what a horrible death that can be, you know, for people and how drug out it can be and all sorts of, you know, cancers and lots of different, different diseases that are terminal can ultimately lead to just absolutely miserable, horrible deaths, depending on you know, how things go. What you were saying earlier is like watching people in the hospital. A lot of times what happens is we end up doing things to these people. We're not helping them anymore. We're not doing things for them anymore to try to That's help. That's what I mean. We're just doing stuff, you know. You're just keeping them afloat. Like if it wasn't for, you know, the electricity or modern medicine, they would just, yeah. Yeah, and that is just, to me, that's prolonging suffering. It's horrible. That's what I mean, yeah. Is that that even ethical? That's the question. Yeah, I don't, I personally don't think it is. Think about this, though. At the same time, if you see people in, or if you see an elderly couple in this case, their last five, seven years of life, they're Mm -hmm. already going to die. Their body's falling apart, and we're just trying to prolong that. Shouldn't they have the choice if they, like... My body's falling apart. My kidney function's failing. My eyesight's failing. My kids moved away. It's COVID and I'm just done. I've lived 80 something years and I've woken up and done the same routine for 80 years. And now it's time and I should be able to choose in this window of time. Now, obviously, if someone has a mental illness, you want to get that straightened out. But if someone has their wits about them and let's just say it's like a certain time frame because everyone's getting older, they're all going to die. There's a certain time when you put enough miles in the car that... You know, so I don't know. For me, at least, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that it's something we we should be talking more about in public. Yeah. People anymore, I swear, you you verbalize the opinion about something, <laughs> yeah, and it's like you, everybody cancels. It's like I'm, you know, this cancel culture is ridiculous. But how? Okay, how many? Let's be honest. How many nurses do you know that have DNRs? I've known so many nurses in the hospital that have tattoos of DNRs, where it's like. If you have to put me on, you know, what's it called? A ventilator, keep me alive. I don't want to be alive, you know? And they're like, just pull the plug kind of thing. Well, they've seen too much. <laughs> That's what I mean, you know? We've seen too much. And if, if it sounds weird to the listeners, it's like, then they haven't been, you know, either working in the ER or critical care or ICU or on the floors where you have to see this in the daily. It's just like, look, yeah. there's no quality of life that way, you know? Yeah, I think they're, most of the time, most nurses are right there with us in no matter what, where you fall in this whole whole idea of medical aid and death, I think most of us agree that 
to prolong suffering in someone and continue to just keep them alive using machines and chemicals is just wrong. It's wrong and mm-hmm. it's causing more suffering for, for them and the family. And then most nurses that see that don't want to go, do not want to go through that themselves ever. I know I don't. Did you know that you don't have to go all across the country to be a travel nurse? You certainly can, but you don't have to. I literally took an assignment that's an hour and a half away from my house, and I love it. I can stay in a hotel room if I want, or I can drive back home. So it's the best of both worlds for me. For my next assignment, we're going to get a cabin in the mountains that's about two hours from our house. So it'll really be like a little getaway. Also, one of my really good friends is going with me so we can share expenses. You guys, even if you're just a little curious about travel nursing, go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile so you can see what kind of jobs are out there and what they pay. Go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile. Well, it kind of leads us into our good doctor story because I wanted to sort of shed some light on to a doctor who has been working to try to get something passed in Massachusetts. And he is a doctor that was, his name is Roger Kleigler, and he was diagnosed with stage four metastatic prostate cancer. And he says that he is going to continue to fight to ensure that he has access to medical aid in dying. But a court ruled back in, this was actually, ironically, this was actually in 2020 when this court ruled uh, against him. And so it was a setback, but he said he's going to continue to fight. He's going to appeal it. He had filed a lawsuit saying, asserting that the state constitution and existing state laws um, allows medical aid in dying where physicians can prescribe a lethal dose of medication to terminally ill patients to self-administer. And there's a company called, or an organization called Compassion and Choices that advocates for rights of terminally ill patients. They also joined the lawsuit and announced that it was going to appeal the court's dismissal of this case as well. But the court did rule that they were allowed to advise terminally ill patients about medical aid in dying without worrying about being prosecuted. So it's kind of, it's sort of a gray area because now doctor in this, in Massachusetts, doctors can, can talk to patients about it, but it, it, without worrying about being prosecuted, but it doesn't preclude state law enforcement officials from prosecuting physicians who prescribe lethal medications for dying patients who want to end their own lives. So you can't, so essentially, you know, you talk to, to, to the patient about it, about what it means, but you can't prescribe the medicine. I was just in Portugal in the summer, actually September, and they have a law that states you can buy drugs, you just can't sell drugs on the street. And it's almost the same way, right? Where you can tell, like the doctor can tell you exactly how to kill yourself or end your life in a terminally ill patient. For example, like benzos or take 500 milligrams of a beta block or whatever. And then those patients can go probably to another Mexico, let's say, and get the medication that way, um, which is crazy because it's like, I think for the terminal ill, personally, I believe terminally ill, they should have the choice, right? Because they know, and they know that these pain and suffering, there's no way they can reverse this. So it's kind of like they're screwed. And Yeah. Well, he was very disheartened by that setback, but he said he's going to continue to fight. He did say as a physician who has treated numerous terminally ill adults, he said, I know many of them would want medical aid in dying as an option to peacefully end their suffering. I do not know if I would use this option, but I want it for myself 
if my suffering becomes intolerable at the end of my life. He just wants to know that he has that as an option. How horrible that is to to think you know suffering is imminent and there's nothing you can do about mm-hmm. it. So there are organizations that fight against this right to life organizations that are very active in speaking out and fighting against legislation allowing medical aid in dying just to kind of give you know their side of it. Of course, they saw that as a victory that Massachusetts said there was no constitutional right to suicide. He was concerned that the court had legitimized medical aid in dying with its decision to let doctors discuss the issue with patients. So they feel like by doing that, by allowing doctors to discuss it, you kind of are lending you know legitimacy to it. And they're saying that medical aid in dying is simply a marketing term that papers over the reality of suicide and euthanasia that process makes possible. I mean, I get that. I I do. I understand. And I understand the controversy behind it. I think a a lot of people see it as a slippery slope. And once you start this, that, you know, where do you stop? You know, and uh, as you said, someone who's just depressed. And yeah, but there are states that have been doing this for a a while now, for many, many years. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not been a problem. It's not like you had this mad rush of people wanting to do this. It's, but it's just an option for people. Everything has, you know, guidelines and regulations and boundaries. So I think obviously, you know, terminally ill, you already know you're going to have pain and suffering and you already kind of know when you're going to die. So, well, you know, it's almost like keeping someone, it's like the DNR thing we talked about, right? It's like, would you really want to be kept alive if you had whatever it is just kept alive by all these machines in the same way? It's like, I would say, yes, people should have the, uh, the right if they have a terminally ill and, and they know, you know, when they're going to die, that's going to happen anyways. Right. So. Yeah, it should be more comfortable. I think this is a, a good discussion to, to keep having, and people shouldn't be afraid to talk about it. And don't be afraid to give me your opinion, too. I and mean, if you disagree with any, anything I said, feel free to send me a message, send me an email, let me know your point of view. I mean, but you don't have to get mad just because I, you know you have a different opinion. That's not necessary, I don't think. Can I get mad? I, I get mad. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think you get mad. Right. You never get mad. Oh, yeah, I don't get mad. <laughs> well, I guess we can... That wraps it up for this episode. It's a nice, short yeah. and sweet. Tell everybody where they can find you and Simple Nursing. If you guys know of nursing students or you're a nursing student yourself, you can cut your study time by 60% and double your productivity at simplenursing.com. We have 1,200 videos. Clo- Actually, probably by the uh, end of six months, we'll have 1,500 videos. Every video has a follow-along study guide and a practice quiz bank for 3,000 questions. So instead of reading your book for, let's say, three hours, we can sum up a chapter in about 10 minutes with memory tricks and a visual aid. So it's pretty fun to study nursing school. So yeah, if you guys know any nursing students, just shoot them over to Simple Nursing. They can join for free. Yeah. You guys that have been listening for, you know, I've talked about this before, but I used Simple Nursing when I was in nursing school. I used to watch his videos on YouTube all the time. He's really funny and really good at coming up with really creative, clever memory tricks, which is so important, you know, for us. There's so much you have to remember, so much you have to learn in nursing school. You can't possibly, you know, really, truly learn all this stuff uh, to be able to regurgitate it on a test. But if you have these little memory um, tricks, it can help kind of solidify it in your mind and you'll use it. You will use this stuff as you're working at the bedside. You'll be like, you know, I mean, I have the dumbest things in my head sometimes, but they're still there and they will never, it won't go away. And I'll, Hey, whatever works, right? You know what? Whatever works. Yeah. And that's, it's funny because the dumbest ones, usually you'll remember the longest. <laughs> I know. The dumber, the better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
I guess we will see you guys next week. You know, you can find me at goodnursebadnurse.com. You can email me at tina at goodnursebadnurse.com. And we're on social media at goodnursebadnurse. And I also want to remind you that even if you're a bad girl or a bad boy, be a good nurse. Good nurse.